Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Amen. Let's pray over the Word, shall we? And ask God to touch His Word to our heart here today. Lord, I love you. I thank you so very much that you've given us the privilege and the opportunity to just come into this house today and we make ourselves available for your word to be planted in our heart, for your word to do the work in our lives that must be done. We pray, God, that you will indeed allow this to be a place where your hands, as the potter's hands, can mold us and make us into your image that we would be fashioned, God, in your likeness and not according to our own will. But I pray, God, that we would be fashioned in your likeness and in your image in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I praise you, Lord. 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 Amen. Amen. Won't you just be seated, if you will? I'm going to turn your attention here for a few moments to the book of 2 Corinthians 4 and 1 and 2. The book of 2 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. And what I would like to do today is maybe a little... um, off of the beaten path of what we may normally do in our first service, but I'd like to just talk to you from my heart. We are all uh, nothing less than what we have allowed to flow in our lives from the, um, from the ministries or from the influences of, of other people. We're no more or no less than what we have allowed others to, to be to us and help us to become. And so um, I remember using this illustration when I was doing the pastoral installation service for Brother Paul McGee. And I realize we're not doing a pastor, pastoral installation here today, but this illustration just comes to mind. I. I told the church there in Mount Carmel that they were not just getting Paul and Dawn McGee, but specifically because they had spent several years of their life traveling and evangelizing and therefore um, exposing themselves to, to many, many ministries and churches and pastors. And uh, not just during the seasons of corporate service, but 
after church and on off church days or nights, spending time in the home of or in the automobile of a pastor's wife or a pastor himself. Just people have some inadvertently and others quite intentionally broken off little pieces of themselves and planted it in their lives and and uh, so when the church in Mount Carmel got them for their pastor they got more than just them because they got a fingerprint of everybody that had ever touched them everybody that had ever influenced them and so some of those influences were very subtle and some very intentional, but either way, they were influenced, they were touched. And so here we are today. You may not consider yourself a pastor and you sure may not want me to install you in anything. But we are all much the same. We are the end result of many lives that have touched us. And, and, and again, some touches may be subtle, some may be very intentional, some touches may be very positive. Other touches and experiences may have been very brutal. But in all of that, we came out of that bearing a gift. We brought something uh, with us. I understand that every adult here that is represented and perhaps even every child that would be here uh, in our annex this morning would not represent um, a picturesque childhood. Some have traveled a very, very uh, rocky journey, shall we say. Some, some allow that to set the trajectory of their life down a very negative path, and, and today they're probably not in church, but they are on a path of self-destruction. But others took those negative experiences and they said, I'm going to build on that. And this may have happened in my childhood, but I'm going to ensure this doesn't happen in the life of my child. And, and on and on and on, those, those illustrations go. And so we're a product of other people that have touched us. We certainly are a product of the word of God. John said that in the beginning was the word and the word was God, was with God and the word was God. And I know that we often link and, and, and aptly so the 14th verse that the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we know that as Jesus Christ. We also know that Genesis teaches us that some nine times that the phrase and God said is listed and God said let there be and there was and so the word of God is very very valuable for us we know that as the spoken word of God prior to the written word of God but what I want to draw in your mind today is the, is the connection between the spoken word and the written word because the word of God is the word of God and sometimes in our culture in, in our even Christian habits. We come to the house of God and we expect certain things will unfold while we are in any given service. And certainly it is the plan of most every service that we're gonna have 
certain things. We're going to have prayer and we're going to have praise and worship and um, we're going to pray for the sick and those that have needs and we know that somewhere you came today with a calm assurance that somewhere in this church schedule somebody was going to be preaching the word of God. And so ultimately I hope what we have come to hear is the word because the word is what brings change and hope and, and direction. And again, I realize that I'm not speaking to a room full of preachers, but I do think that I'm speaking to a room full of ministers. The Bible says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, we faint not. And so we all have uh, the responsibility, not just the opportunity, but we all have the responsibility to share the word of God with others. And again, I realize that Paul was speaking to Timothy who was a minister of the gospel, a pulpit minister, we may make that clarification. But Paul said to Timothy something that I think is also very, very incumbent for everybody here. He said, study to show thyself approved. You don't need to be ashamed. You don't need to be embarrassed. You need to be able to to rightly divide and connect the word of God. You need to be able to make sense of the word of God. And certainly a part of what teaching and preaching is all about is to make sense. There should be uh, obviously somewhere along the line of every Bible lesson, whether it's, a, whether it's being preached or taught, there should be somewhere along the journey that we have the opportunity to have someone tell us how we can apply this to our lives. You know, let's have a, that's a great thought, wonderful thought, but now how does this apply to me? And so how can I take something home? And so it's never my intention to try to bedazzle you when you come here, and uh, that's, that's not what it's all, all about. It's not about sensationalism or uh, see if we can just make the lights a little brighter today than they were Wednesday. But because if somewhere between now and when we leave here, if this isn't put in your hands with some measure of application, how can, how can I take this, a part of this at least home and apply this to my life and then help somebody else? We've probably failed. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter four and verses one and two, I um, wanna take this for a text and then and then just move a, a little bit forward with you, if you will. I'm, I, I am, again, I, I will say this, that I am just a product of what others have put in me. And so everything that we have, Adam had the only original thought. <laughs> and so we are been, we've been borrowing from one another since then. And I'm thankful for all the lives and all the ministries I I. I'm only, I don't even know why I'm saying this, but just to say it, I love preaching. I, I love preaching almost to a fault, <laughs> if there's any such thing. Um, I generally am at my house listening to preaching, in my office listening to preaching. I'm not trying to sound sanctimonious. Um, I ride down the road, I listen to preaching. Most every night of every week, I go to bed with an, I'm not saying this is the healthiest thing to do, but with an earbud in my ear, preaching. I love the word of God. I, I think it's important what you allow to come into your life. 
very, very important. And uh, I don't want some of the spirits of this world having access to my mind and my thought process. And so I want to be very careful that I guard that. Um, and so what you're going to hear today is just a, probably a conglomeration of a lot of things that have been placed in my life by others. But I'm thankful for that. I really am thankful for that. Second Corinthians 4 and 1 I probably have you nervous if it's taken me this long to read a text. How long in the world is this the rest of this going to take? The Bible says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, we faint not. As we have received mercy, we faint not. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness. Now watch this. Nor handling the word of God deceitfully but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And so here is, our, here is our commission. And Paul was preaching to the church. So here is our commission. That we have this ministry and because of that, we must see to it that we do not faint. We must stay alert. We must, we must at all costs keep our spirit and our heart Alert. I don't know if you've ever been um, associated with someone who had the tendency to faint, but it can be a very disconcerting thing. You may have that tendency yourself. I may be speaking to someone. But I can remember my, my mother was not ever really a well woman, but I can remember um, in my early earlier years that my mother went through a season of time where she would uh, she would faint and this is not to be humorous but sometimes it almost appeared to be that way because my mom could always tell when she was about to faint and so we would be together I've often said because of the age difference of my siblings they were either in school or somewhere else generally it was just mother and I and um, more than once, I've, I heard my mother just barely say, I'm fainting. Well, the next thing you know, she's just on the floor. And uh, so fainting can be a very dangerous thing. I mean, what, what if that happens when you're riding down the road? What if that happens if you're, um, you know, there's a lot of scenarios where, where falling on the floor is bad enough, but there's a lot of scenarios where fainting could be a whole lot worse if you were walking down a flight of steps or something like that. And so Paul, this admonition that we faint not needs to be taken into consideration because if I just faint here, I have fainted here. <laughs> if I were... <laughs> Precious memories. If I faint here, I'm probably not going to hurt anything necessarily. But if I faint in other places in my life, it may cause great damage. And so Paul said, as we have received this, we faint not. Renounce the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking to craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. So Paul teaches us here that there is a real admonition as to how we handle the word of God. And so the word we know, probably one of the scriptures that most readily comes to our mind concerning the word of God, 
the scripture refers to it as, as a sword, and we've talked about that before. But there are other references to the word of God. And I want to go there today. I want you to look at me, look with me, if you will, at Jeremiah 23 and 29. Jeremiah 23 and 29. This is what Jeremiah has to say about the word of God. Is everybody all right today? Amen. So Jeremiah says, is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord? and like a hammer that breaketh the rock into pieces. So Jeremiah pins these words of the Lord that the Lord refers to his word as a fire and as a hammer. And so fire, in, in, in the truest sense of the word, a controlled fire can be a good thing. It's, it's good for a lot of things. And so we see often in forests and different places, a lot of farmers may even plow fire lines and burn their field. A controlled fire can be a very positive thing. It can kill off the bad and give hope and life to something brand new. And a way of, of controlling the, the evils that are there, so to speak. The fire, control fires, that can be a, a wonderful thing. Well, we also know that a fire out of control, I've been around fires that were out of control. And that can be a horrifying thing. It can be a devastating thing. I know families associated with our church that have had house fires that have literally lost everything, all consuming. And so the fire, and so Paul, if I can just link this, Paul is saying you need to be careful how you handle the word because it's fire and so fire can help someone or fire can damage everything and so we have a responsibility to handle the word of God carefully and he said not deceitfully Amen. Not, we, we got to handle something one writer said means you hold it in your hand that's not just something you're viewing from a distance but you're handling it Carefully, and so he said, "Not, not deceitfully, or don't don't do this wrong." There's a real responsibility here, because if you're going to start a fire, and especially in our day and time, you've got to call and get a burn permit, and and uh, they you, they want your address, they want to know what time they're going to tell you what time to start and what time to put it out, and they 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 tell you a lot of things about that fire, and the reason they get all that information is not so they can send you a birthday card later. The reason they get all that information is because if you don't do what you said you were going to do and this gets out of control, then somebody's going to have to answer for that. And so they're not just going to, oh, well, at the end of the day, sorry, this happened and 13 homes have burned to the ground, but somebody is going to have to give an account of that because you handled fire inappropriately. And so the word of God as a fire, we gotta be very careful how we handle that. The Bible says in Jeremiah that he also likened the word of God to a hammer. A hammer in some man's hand may mean absolute destruction. A hammer in someone else's hand 
may be 180 degrees of that. I've also watched the same hand hold a hammer and tear down a set of cabinets, pry them off the wall. And I've also watched him use that same hammer or one very similar to rebuild another set and to rehang them. It all depends on what your intentions are, a hammer. So you gotta be very, very careful. A hammer in the wrong hands, you, you just wouldn't want to hand a two or three-year-old boy a hammer and just say, have a good time. Because a hammer in his hand may mean a lot of expense in the end. Amen. And so a hammer in the wrong hand and a hammer with the wrong intentions. And there's certain kind of hammers. And I'm not here to give you a whole lesson in all this, but there's hammers that are specifically made from metal. And so that's the, that's the hammer you need if you're working with metal. You need that hammer. But if you're not working with metal and you're building a house, a ball-peen hammer is probably not gonna do you a whole lot of good. You may be able to get by under some circumstances, but that's not what it was designed to do. And there is sometimes the word of God that is that comes our way and it has a specific purpose and it has a specific season even. I believe that the word of God, I, I take this role very, very seriously. And I think all of the ministers in our church, I'm glad to say, take this very seriously. It's not just another opportunity to hold the microphone, but, but to seek the will and the mind of God. What what do I need? What am I going to be working on today? And, and, and if that is the case, then what am I going to need? And so I want to make sure that I bring the right tool for the occasion and then that I handle it as it should be handled. Um, I was going to say, I know I've told this before and you've heard this, but I've told a lot of things before you heard. So <laughs> that's what happens with longevity. But uh but I can remember doing some trim work in the annex and we were finishing it up and this was before the days of, uh, of uh, the pneumatic tools and things of that nature. At least we weren't using them. And so you just drive the finished nail in so far and then you have a nail set to finish it the rest of the way up. And, um, and every now and then if you're just not careful, you just do the wrong thing and you will either punch another hole or dent the wood in which you're working with. And I was unconscious that I was doing this, but every now and then, I never claimed to be a carpenter, but I would do the wrong thing. And, and every time I either put a hole in the wood in the wrong place or dent the wood, I, I don't know why, I was not conscious I was doing it, but I would rub it when I got through. <laughs> Brother Morris was standing there with me who had been my teacher in a lot of these little projects. And so finally he smiled at me. He said, you can't rub that out. Try, try as you may, you cannot rub that out. It's there to stay. And so you gotta be very, very careful because if you do the wrong thing with the wrong tool, you can't rub that out. And so we have to be very careful when we are talking to someone about the word of God. And that's why I, I don't argue the word of God. And you, you can... You can tag me as a coward, it's all you want, that'll be fine. But I'm not gonna argue with you. 
and I'm not gonna argue with anybody else. Because if the word needs me to prop it up, we're in trouble right out of the gate. The word will stand on its own. But what can also happen in the course of an argument is the right thing can be said with the wrong spirit. And now you've got something you can't rub out. And so I wanna make sure that I handle the word of God carefully. I wanna make sure that I have the right tool and that I am using the right tool in the right fashion. And then if you look at the book of Hebrews, if you look at Hebrews chapter four and verse 12, Hebrews four and 12, if you'll put that up there for me, I wanna talk just a minute about Hebrews four and 12. This is the scripture we're most familiar with when it comes to the word of God. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And so here, the writer likens the word of God to a sword. And since the time we went to bed last night until we stand here today, sadly, somewhere in the world, someone has taken a sword or a bladed instrument and in the hand of a killer, someone lost their life in just the last few hours statistically. But in those same few hours, a surgeon picked up a similar tool and saved a life. You be very, very careful with a sword in your hand and how you handle the sword, how you handle the word of God. And so when you're witnessing to your neighbors and you're witnessing to your coworkers and you're talking to family about the goodness of God, you need to be very, very careful because the word is going to be what you allow it to become in your hand. If, if, if you have the spirit of Simon Peter, at least a spirit that he had at one time, and your intention is to take somebody's head off, and you can do that with the word of God. But if you do that, there's no hope. There's no hope of ever repairing that. But a surgeon knows just how deep to cut. Doesn't mean that blood won't be involved. Doesn't mean that it won't take healing. Doesn't mean that a lot of precautions are not gonna have to be followed up on to prevent infections and things of that nature. But we gotta be careful how we handle the word of God. I know you've heard me say this before, but I meant it then and I mean it now and I will mean it when I say it in the future. But, but people that have this attitude of right out of the gate, I tell you what I do. They scare me to death. I, I don't want to go visit the doctor and with just a minuscule test, he deems surgery necessary, and then all of a sudden, I hear his assistant in the background with some straight edge <laughs> on a piece of leather. I mean, to, to me, maybe not enough time and thought and effort and energy has gone into this. But if they just deem we may need to cut, and they're preparing everything at that particular moment, and it's not an emergency situation, I may want a few minutes to think about that. 
I went for some oral oral surgery several years ago, and, and, and you know, as a precaution, because anything can happen, and if it's ever happened before, then they have to warn you that it can happen again. And when in, when I went in for what I thought was going to be a rather straightforward procedure, the doctor just almost in an oh by the way fashion said that I could be left paralyzed in my in my mouth, and uh, I said, sir. I talk for a living. I'm being very serious. I mean, I think this should have come on the radar far before the time I'm leaned back in a chair. And this could affect my entire future. And my wife was standing in the room with me and, and, I, and I, I just finally looked at him and I said, I need a minute. Can we have prayer? I said, can you just go see the next patient? I'll wait ever how long we need to wait. But I need to think about this. <laughs> he was very kind and courteous and professional. And he left the room and we had prayer. Not now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. We had prayer and said, God, we commit this into your hands. And the Lord, I'm yakking today, so the Lord obviously... <laughs> Somebody is there going, well, that's one prayer they got through. <laughs> Every time. You want to, <laughs> sorry about that. Want to be careful how you handle the sword and be careful how you do this. And I was very careful to tell him, I I appreciate the fact that you're probably careful with every patient, but I want you to be really careful today. Really careful today. I want to talk again. And so the word of God is, is a sword at times. And, and you've got to use a, you know, I've met people that they use their knife for everything. Ever met those people? I mean, they... They use a knife for everything. It's not just a knife, it's a screwdriver. They'll use it to beat a nail all the rest of the way into the wall. The knife just becomes everything. And, and that's not what it was intended to do. And so if you, if you use the sword like a hammer, you're gonna take the edge off the sword. And that's not what it was intended for. And so... If you need a hammer, get a hammer. But if you need a sword, use the sword and then use it for its intended purposes. Now, I'm gonna kind of give away a little something here today and I don't want you to think any differently of me about this, but the ultimate decision about that will be yours, of course. But several years ago, my, I had heard my wife say something like this just a, few, a little bit over 100 times. <laughs> 103, 107, somewhere along in there I lost count. We don't have a decent knife in this house. We don't have a decent knife in this house. I can't cut anything. And so I thought one day was Christmas or her birthday or something. I thought, well, you know, I'm going to go buy her a decent knife. And so I went to buy a decent knife and I got an education. For one thing, I didn't realize you could even possibly spend that much money for knives. And then when I said something to the man, when I finally got over the shock of how much they were, 
I said, I said, I want to buy a knife sharpener. He goes, oh, no, no, no. I said, you can't use a knife sharpener with this grade of knife. I said, well, then how do we get it sharpened? He said, you bring that to us and you have it professionally sharpened. <laughs> I never felt more like a Hatfield or a McCoy in my life. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I left there without the knives because I too needed to think that through just a little bit more because... You see this common thread of indecisiveness here, don't you? I'm going to have to think that through a little bit more. Thankfully, the youth shortly after that sold some knives and they've turned out to be pretty good and I haven't heard that in a long time. Thank you to the youth department. And they, they came with a sharpener, by the way. And so we have to be very careful. Don't use something for another intended purpose because you're going to do damage and sometimes irreparable damage. But there are times you need the sword and the word needs to be a sword. But let's look at Luke 8. Uh, We're jumping around here a little bit, but let's look at Luke 8. Luke 8 and 11. I'm just going to read the first verse and you'll get this is what I'm wanting out of it. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Or if I may say it another way, the word of God is a seed. And so here we have the word now in in multiple different forms or fashions. It is not a hammer here. It's not uh, not a sword here, but it's a seed. And so... The seed is something that needs specific care and attention because every seed is different. You know, some, some seeds or an acorn would be a seed and so an acorn can drop out of the tree and it doesn't need a farmer to tend it. It doesn't need any fertilizer. You can ignore it. You can step on it. You can kick it all around. And somehow it's going to be resilient enough with the right rain and and things of that nature that it's going to break that hole and roots are going to start going down and, and a bud is going to start coming up. And so it, an acorn is quite resilient. So there are some seeds that you can just toss out on the ground and it'll be all right. You can kick it over here a little while, kick it over there a little while, but after a while something's going to press it deep enough into the earth that it will just bloom and it will happen. And you won't have to tend to it from that day on. It, it's just resilient enough. The, the, the byproduct of that is just, it's just there. As a matter of fact, uh, you won't have to water it. You won't have to even think about it. It'll all take care of itself. But then there are other seeds that are far more fragile than that. There's some seed, centipede grass seed, for example. Some, it's such a fine, such a small seed that you can't just plant it by itself. They don't recommend that you do anyway. But the times that I have planted centipede grass, they've always admonished me to also buy some sand, builder sand, to mix it together. It's so fine that otherwise you're just gonna wind up with clumps of grass here and then bare spots over there. And then you're gonna have to really take care of it. And some seed, are, they're going to have to be planted just so deep into the ground. If you plant it too deep, it's not resilient enough to press through all that earth and, and so it'll just die in the ground. And so you've got to really know what you're doing about the seed. And um, Brother Jerry and, and uh, them have 
planted some melons behind our house and we had a chance the last several months just to kind of watch this firsthand. It's been quite an interesting journey. They were growing seedless watermelons for the most part and, and so I, I thought, I had an obvious question about how do you grow seedless melons? And it all looked uniform to me. It all looked the same. So shortly after they were planted, I've just about drove him nuts asking him questions for the last several months. So I said, well, how do you do this? And then there were just small, tender plants and he began to walk along and he said, every so many plants, it's not a seedless melon, but it's a pollinator. And, and then he began to point out the differences and once they were pointed out, they became obvious that, and so it was, there was nothing arbitrary about this, but real intentional because we've got to be very careful here because this is a seed We've got to take care of this. And so we've got to be very, very intentional about this. And so the word of God is a seed. And so when we come into the house of God, there are sometimes we need the word to be a hammer. We either need it to tear down some things in our lives, rebuild some things in our lives. We need the word of God sometimes to be a sword. We really need that, that sharp two-edged sword that pierces our soul, the marrow of the bone. We need that Sword to either cut out something that's wrong or cut out something that's detrimental or do some repair that can give us life as we march forward. But you've got to know what to do with that seed. And so when you're, when you're dealing with someone and they have a crisis in their life, we've got to know how, as Paul said, to handle the word of God. What, what do I do here? What, what, do I, what do I do here in this particular situation? How do I deal with this? How, and what would be the right tool to use? And so I don't think it should be an any, many, mighty, mo when we roll our hands down the toolbox and just come out and work with whatever happens to be in our hand. I think we need to prayerfully consider how should I answer this? How should I deal with this? And there are some situations that need to be cut out. They need emergency surgery. They need, this needs to be dealt with immediately. Amen. And so if I, if I find out Tuesday that Brother Jerry's been run all over the country robbing banks, that, that's pretty serious. I can't afford for him to come Wednesday and me just throw a couple seed at him. Well, I'm gonna throw two kernels of corn at you and you're gonna cut that out, you hear me? It's far more serious than just throwing a couple kernels of corn. There's some things that we gotta deal with. What in the world is going on? And so we gotta cut that out or we've got to hammer that away, tear that out or build something back in its place that it's what we need. But if someone is dying beside of the road and they're bleeding to death, they don't need a hammer. And sometimes we come to church, I've been doing this long enough to pick up on a few things, but sometimes people come to church and somebody across the aisle just hopes the preacher brought a hammer with him. I hope he deals with this. What you really mean is I hope he beats them to death in the sidewalk tonight so I can... That's right. And so when, when all of a sudden they see you pull out the scalpel, they're going... I just thought, I just thought tonight would be the night. Today would be the day he would just pin this to the wall. No. What we're trying to do is sustain 
life. Not ignore sin, debauchery, but what we're trying to do is sustain life. And so when you're beside the road and some paramedic is trying to cut you out of the car, you're gonna be very proud that someone has the right tool in their hand. Somebody didn't just show up with a ball bat to try to take care of everything that's wrong. And so when we meet people, we need to understand that we are handlers of the word of God. Handlers of the word of God. And we've got to be very careful how we handle that. What do I need? Help me, God, to have an answer. And I'm not at all, and I hope have not alluded to the idea that that we are to just be doormats and not defenders of the gospel. I think there's sometimes you gotta defend your position on something. And so there are times you need to pull out the sword. Amen, and defend it. But but we need to know how to use the sword and not use it deceitfully, not use it wrongly, but let the spirit and the authority and the anointing of God's word ultimately do the work. Because... Several years ago, Brother Rayleigh said something to me. He was pouring a slab of concrete over at our home. And there was a small, just a little small sapling tree growing nearby and it was already there and we were kind of formed up to that. And so he asked me, he said, what do you intend to do about this? And I didn't really have an answer I mean it was we thought a pretty tree we're going to probably leave it there one day it'll be shade here he said what you need to understand is that that will one day bust this sidewalk or this slab now that's a little hard to believe when you don't know better you, you mean the gentle nature of a tree wouldn't just give in and say, that's okay, concrete, you're here, you're much heavier, I'll grow this way. Mm-mm. Little by little, little by little. And he said, in time, you're gonna have problems. What I'm saying is this, the seed planted in the right heart, in the right way, you may think, I didn't do a thing today maybe I wasted my time but if you push the seed the right depth in the right soil just leave it alone and the seed can grow in the heart I'm not just saying this for the sake of this sermon or what I'm talking to you about today but I, I have this much confidence in the word of God that I along with the majority if not everyone in this house has planted some seed and you haven't seen an immediate return on your investment. But what you may not see underneath that concrete slab is something that's pressing just almost an immeasurable (laughs) just pushing, just pushing, just pushing. And one day it's gonna crack And then one day a stem's gonna come through that crack and it'll be sufficient, it'll be enough. Amen, I pray God give us the wisdom that we need to know how to handle 
the Word of God. What do I do here? I want to handle the Word of God. Let's stand together. Amen. I love you, Jesus. And I thank you for the privilege to know you and the power of your resurrection. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.